Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, I am very blessed to be joined by the one and only Mr. Mark Boris. Mark Boris, if you haven't heard of him, uh, is from Apprentice fame. He's got a show and he's got a podcast called Mentored, uh, Yellow Brick Road, Sydney Roosters. He, he runs a tremendous amount of different companies and has tons of things going on. So it was great to be able to grab a hold of him for just a little while. Now, Mark Boris is someone, if you haven't heard of him again, was mentored by the late, great Kerry Packer. He's had a, uh, a tremendous slew of influences from around the world, and I think that he's just an amazing person to learn from. Now, he is our keynote speaker at Certified Ballers Live. So if you have ever gone, okay, cool, why should I come to Certified Ballers Live? I've been listening to his podcast, I've been hearing all these people talking about who's coming and what they're gonna be teaching. Just hearing from Mark would be tremendous. I don't, I don't remember the last time he's been in Perth uh, for an event like this, so I'm very excited to have him over here. And he's going to be talking about, you know, what should people be doing, small businesses be focusing on in 2020? What's a big opportunity for them? Uh, and you'll be interested to know, it's not what you think. What are the steps to success? He's created his own playbook to success, and he shares with us a couple of those and a few stories. And uh, if you listen to him, he's someone that you can listen to speak for days because he's just so good at storytelling and has so much interesting insights around things. And then lastly, he covers what he's gonna be sharing with us at Certified Ballers Live. So again, if you haven't got a ticket yet, what are you doing, number one? Head over to www.certifiedballerslive.com.au. Grab your ticket, because it will sell out. It's gonna be a full packed event in Perth, Australia. Uh, we're really looking forward to having a huge range of uh, business owners there, and also we've got our amazing speakers coming as well. So it's going to be epic. So again, if you're someone who's been in business has gone, look, there must be a playbook to success. There must be a pathway that I can take to ensure that I am successful you wanna to listen to Mark. He's done it over over and over again, time and time again, and he's gonna be the man to listen to. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode and chat to Mark Boris. And today, guys, we are joined by the one and only Mr. Mark Boris. Mark, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. No worries. How you going? All right? Doing super well. Thank you, sir. Now, um, just for everyone, if if they don't know who you are yet, and if they're in Australia, hopefully they do. But um, for those that don't, how did you get started in business when you very first uh, started out? Depends which business. Which business are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, the one I'm probably best known for, the, the wizard business originally, or you're talking about just as a business person? Just as a business person, like the very start when you very first started in business? Probably the very first time I started in business was I was at school actually and I had a little business where I used to take things, make things at home, take it to school and sell it. So I used to make, um, I used to make pipes that you smoke. <laughs> I was oh, yeah. about 12 <laughs> or 13. I used to make pipes at home. Um, I used to get old cricket stumps and uh, drill the inside out. And then I used to, I found this reed that was uh, in my garden, my parents' house. And I used to be able to drill out the core of the reed and um, then attach the reed to the pipe. And then I would sell the pipe at school and I would sell some, uh, with it I used to sell tea leaves and you could smoke the tea leaves. <laughs> I love it, I love it. What, what made you start that then? Did you, was there a need in the market or what's the, what made you want to start selling pipes? Well, I was just playing around with this reed at home and uh, I discovered that I could actually turn it into a, like, once I 
I could I, I found out how to I don't know how I found the, the bit of reed it was like a plant on a tree I worked out that I could push the core out with a bit of um, coat hanger wire and then I could turn it into like a straw and I remember thinking to myself what could I do with it and I was watching a, an old television show and an old American show that was a farmer and he had an old pipe it looked like it'd been made out of corn cob or something. I thought, I, I reckon I could do that. I just cut a top off a stump, got my dad's drill, and then I thought I could... And I, anyway, I, I started mucking around with it, and I was playing around with it, and I took it to school, and I showed some of the kids, my friends, you know, like I said, well, look what I made, you know. And uh, someone said, oh, that's cool. Uh, I'd like one, you know. Can you make me one? And I worked out that, well, a whole lot of kids wanted them. So I thought <laughs> I'd just turn it into a business. And I just started selling them. Until the school found out and they told me not allowed to sell um, tea leaves at school. Which, by the way, it's not tobacco, but no one in my house smoked. I mean, I, 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 I didn't realise it was a problem, but um, obviously it was. So I had to stop. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, you, uh, you developed a product, then you market tested it, and you rolled it out. It's awesome. Uh, and so then, how did you how did you get into then from there? Obviously, fast forwarding a bit, I'm sure, into um, then starting out um, with Wizard. Well, Wizards. Well, the reason I got into Wizard is because I was a property developer and uh, my partner and I were struggling to, to get funding for, a, when I say property development, like small properties, small, small developments. So we'll do a house, we're doing a house land package deal for maybe, I can't remember, 20 houses or something we had to build and uh, we needed funding and we couldn't get the funding um, and uh, we met up with these people who were mortgage brokers and... Um, they got the funding for us, and uh, and I'd never dealt with a mortgage broker before. And uh, and as I said, they got funding for us, and I was pretty impressed with the way they did it. And uh, I said to them, uh, like, you know, what's your what are your plans for the future? Do you, how do you intend to you know, run your business? And they said, oh well, you know, we're just going to be mortgage broker, do one off deals like we just did. And I said, well, wouldn't you wouldn't you want to do what Aussie Home Loans is doing? And Aussie Home Loans had just sort of kicked off. And uh, and I actually happened to have a master's degree in um, capital markets and um, and so I said to them I know how to do this and um, I said but if I do it for you I want to buy party buy into your business so I first off I bought 40% of their business in the initial stages and um, and over time I bought a hundred percent but yeah I bought 40% of their business and that's how I started I mean I, I had a need I saw these guys I needed something to be done these guys cured it for me I thought, well, hang on, there must be a lot of people out there who need funding. Um, they're pretty good operators. Why don't I buy into their business? And I'll, ha- I'll show them how to become like Aussie Home Loans. And uh, that's, you know, that's sort of pretty much how it happened. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what were you doing prior that, to that, though? So obviously, you went through and got a master's, which is... Uh, in capital markets, which is probably not a very common degree, I would say, for most people. And then you also obviously had the funds to be able to invest into their company. How did that come about? What was the little bit of the backstory there? Well, I didn't really have much money, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it seems like it, but I didn't have to invest much, did not have to invest much money into the business because the business was like, really small, like really small. Right. Um, and in terms of my capital markets degree, um, um, it was, uh, I, I, I was working at the time and, um, and in an accounting firm. And one of the things that was becoming pretty obvious to me as a working um, was that funds management and or other capital market type products were big in America, but they were coming to Australia. And, uh, but they hadn't actually arrived. And 
it was an area of um, study that I thought would be valuable to me one day. I didn't know how it would be valuable to me one day, but um, I thought it would be valuable to me to me one day. And so I decided to, in my capital markets degree, so you, in the capital markets, in the master's degree, you had to specialise in something. So I, I worked out that I would specialise in this and, um, and I studied mostly what was going on in America. There was no capital market in Australia at the time as such. Um, and uh, I studied what they did in the US and, uh, and I applied it to the Australian market when that opportunity arose when I first got involved with these brokers to run the Wizard business. That's awesome. I love it and spotting that out from there. I actually used to work in an accounting firm as well uh, back in the day, which got me interested in business and looking into things and then obviously now marketing and advertising as well. Um, so that's awesome. Now, obviously, being in Wizard and then you've gone through and you've had a slew of accolades and done some amazing things and you work with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. You speak a lot. You've obviously now um, previously had The Apprentice in Australia and then you've gone on to and you've got now um, Mentored as well, which, you, which you're running, which is amazing. And I uh, love checking that out. And obviously, you interact with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. What are the biggest, what are the biggest obstacles that you see them face? Uh, I, I guess most business owners today don't run the business in any form of structure. And what I mean by that is not just the legal structure, but I'm talking about they don't have structured meetings. They pretty much uh, play tactical all, time, all the time. So everything they do is a day-to-day effort. So well, today I've got to pay the bills. Tomorrow I've got to do the GST. The next week I've got, I've got to order the, the inventory. Uh, the week after I've got to employ somebody. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, you know what I mean? It's, it's just one thing after another like that. It's always tactical. It's unstructured. There's no discipline. And I don't mean they're not disciplined people. They turn up to work and they work hard. But... They don't have um, formal disciplines in their business. So yeah, things like, for example, do, when, how often do I sit down and look at the 10 most important things that can affect my business? And how often do I ask the 10 most important questions about my business? And when I do ask those 10 questions, who do I ask in my business? Am I asking myself, my colleagues, or etc.? cetera? Uh, and what am I doing about it? Am I, and then am I revisiting it a month later to make sure that those 10 most important things to the extent they're unanswered and are being reattended to. So that sort of repetitive rhythm of a business with discipline, I think, is the biggest issue that small businesses in this country have today. Gotcha. And it, do you think it is just because people are undisciplined or why, why do you think it is if, when they know that that's actually what's going to play into their success? Why do you think it is that they don't actually do it? Yeah, I don't think they're undisciplined. I, I, I don't think it's... about being personally disciplined I think it's about the business being disciplined and I don't mean that in a a sense of it's loose it's it's not the opposite loose is not the opposite Uh, what I mean by this is having disciplines having structures and rhythms that a business that runs the business as opposed to people running business now I don't think people should run businesses I think people should be implementing the disciplines and structures and rhythms that run the business so I, I like to sort of overarch the rhythm and then these things are, you know, these, these are just processes and systems that you employ to run your business and you just manage that. So if, 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 you, if, you are, if someone says to me, I run this business, I get nervous. I, I think to myself, wait a minute, no, no, you should be managing the system and or process that runs your business. What is your rhythm? What is your business rhythm? What's your playbook? Now, NFL teams have a playbook. Rugby league teams have a playbook. 
they have certain things they do at certain points in a game, at certain places in a game, certain times in a game, with certain players in the game. And no matter what happens, that always happens. That they always do it. And that's the playbook for the game. So I'm saying businesses should have a playbook which determines the rhythm of those things you do in the game. And you, the owner and or CEO or whatever you are, you manage that playbook. So that's what I'm saying. That's what businesses don't have. Gotcha. And because you, obviously you've developed your own playbook for success as well. And yeah. how did you go about that? Because obviously some people, I think when they when they hear this and they go, gotcha, I, I know that I need to have these things in place, but there's, you know, it's not um, even myself going to university and studying and things like that. They don't exactly, you do a business degree, they don't go, here's the business playbook, go away and, and this is what you need. How did you develop yours? Um, well, it took me a long time. Uh, through mistakes, basically, and through other people sort of, giving me tips, other successful people giving me tips. So, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and uh, I, I learned a lot of things. So over probably a 15, 20 year period, I've put this playbook together um, and it's basically 10 simple chapters or agenda items um, about what I think, you know, there could be 20 or 30, people might want to put more, but there's 10 basic fundamentals that you must have in the rhythm of, biz- of a business. I don't care how big the business is, I don't care how small the business is. The, the, the same things apply. And uh, I went about it by sort of recounting from the beginning of this year uh, uh, what I think works and what I think doesn't work for me. And try to remember, to be frank with you, those sessions I did with Kerry Packer where he would ask me these, he would always ask me these 10 things, not in the same order and definitely not in the order that I've put them in, my playbook, and, and not by the same names. But what I've basically done is gone about articulating the concepts that he wanted to impose over my business that made him comfortable as an investor and I've quite frankly made my my business much stronger. And but I've just, all I've done is I've put it into chapter format, I've structured it, I've put it into uh, simple uh, language, um, I put it into uh, logical and uh, understandable formats, and I pretty much built Kerry's playbook, to be frank with you. Awesome. I love that. And uh, we'll put some links in the show notes as well for anyone that wants to uh, check those out. And so with that then, so it sounds like um, to me, and obviously it, it's uh, you kind of go through it a lot with being even the name of your podcast being mentored, but without mentors or other people guiding you, you really are like running onto a playing field without having any idea on not only how to score, but how to win the game at all. 100%. You know, look, it's very difficult to invent processes and systems that are proven to work. I mean, the, we don't have the time to establish our own rhythms ourselves and build them up ourselves in small business. You just don't have the time to do that because the time span for business to do well or fail is very short. So you don't have two or three years to build this up. You, 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 what you've got to do in that two or three years is just make sure your product works. So it's better to borrow someone else's rhythm that works. You know, and don't forget, I've been through the General Electric period where, you know, General I worked with General Electric for five or six years where they owned the, when they owned the wizard business. I mean, I still work for them. And Jack Welsh built his own playbook as well. So GE operated on a playbook. And most big corporations and or successful corporations do have playbooks around the world. And so, so like, if you think you're going to, you know, you might be brilliant as being a barista, 
and running a great cafe and being really good with customers and knowing how to buy your coffee really well and knowing how to price your coffee really well and knowing how to decorate your shop really well. But it doesn't. It, it's it's another thing to become an expert in the rhythm of, of, of in business rhythm. And what I'm saying to you is, if you want your business to be even better, maybe you should think about putting someone else's rhythm across your business, and then still knowing you do, but you manage someone else's rhythm into your business. So all I'm doing is saying, here's a rhythm. It works for me. It works for a lot of other people I've been involved in. You can have this if you want it. I mean, there are lots of other people that they got rhythms, uh, business rhythms. That's fine, but. Uh, you know, everything works better if there's a beat to it. And then things need to have a beat to it. I don't give a shit how nice the melody is. It needs to have a beat. Yeah, 100%. And that's so important. And, uh, like, I'd love to get your insight on this because um, I've seen a lot of uh, the content you've been putting out there. And there's a lot of times entrepreneurs go, look, I'm in a business and I'm running on a day-to-day. I've got to have a rhythm and stuff like that in place. I, I get that. But they get knocked down a lot. They get, you know, I saw the video you did the other day on tall poppy syndrome and things like that where they get a lot of hits. And sometimes it's hard. And I know that you're very uh, blatant in your way. It's like, just just bloody get over it. Like, you know what I mean? It's, and keep pushing through. But how did you develop? Some of them, they go, look, I've got, I've t- I take a lot of hits and sometimes they struggle to get past that. How did you develop or like the grit, if you will, to be able to keep pushing through. And is there any advice you'd give to entrepreneurs out there where they go, I keep getting hit or I keep getting, you know, people trying to chop me down with tall poppy syndrome. How do they keep pushing through that like you've done? Oh, well, that's an interesting question. I, I, I take the, look, this is one of those things with logic versus emotion. I think emotions are really important, but you've got to, in your business, you, those soft skills, those emotional skills are really important in your business, particularly between you and your customer and you and your suppliers and you and your staff. But you've got to know when to use those emotions for you and when not to use them against you. So when you're getting belted around the place by external factors, whatever they may be, you've got to know how to what, what emotions you've got to employ. And more importantly, you've got to know about what emotions you should not employ. And emotions, is, to me those sorts of things that you're talking about, they're, 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 they're there to be used for your benefit. Now, that's not to say I don't suffer from anxiety from time to time or I don't get nervous or stressed out. I do. Um, but what I try to do is remember, hang on, that's, a, that's anxiety. I recognise that emotion and I say, okay, put that aside, just get on with the fucking thing. Get on with the business. Stop, yeah. stop stressing out about anxiety because <laughs> anxiety exists everywhere and you're never going to get rid of it. It's always going to be there. Same as fear. Mm-hmm. Those two are related. So, and, and I guess also because I've been around for so long, over time, a bit like going to the gym, you end up getting sort of uh, calluses on your hand from lifting the weights. The more often you get belted around, the more resilient you become too. And so um, with a combination of logic and resilience, that allows me just to say, just get on with it. And I'm, what I'm really saying to everybody is you've got to, you've got to recognise through logic that certain things are always going to come your way no matter what. You try to deal with them, you can't cure them, and also you just keep getting on with it. And the more you get on with it, the more time you turn up the gym, the more calluses you're going to get on your hand, the more resistant you are to getting blisters. The same in business. The more times you keep turning up, the more times you uh, present when these anxieties and or fear and or issues present themselves to you, the more resilient you're going to be towards them. you just got to keep fronting up. And there is no other way. Otherwise, you just die. 
That's, uh, I love that. And I always, like, I, I get that asked a, a lot sometimes from the clients that we work with and they're like, oh, how do you keep going with things? And I always say, well, business is going to have some level of stress on you in some way, shape or form throughout the entirety of it. And if you can't handle it, then, I mean, in reality, you can go back and have a job, right? It's like not necessarily does every single person have to become a business owner or entrepreneur. And I don't think it's ever bad sometimes to go, look, maybe it's not something that's for me. I don't know what your opinion is on that. Well, not everybody, look, by the way, not everybody, it, it's, it's easier to say, for me to say, by the way, but not everybody wants to do this. I mean, not everybody, or for example, in the gym wants to actually turn up to the gym. They don't care. So, yeah. and we don't want everyone to be a business person. We want everybody to do what they want to do, what they, what they feel most comfortable with. But if you want to be a business person, if you, if you think that's who you're going to be or who you are, then all I'm, do, all I'm t- telling you is then this is how you could operate. These are the soft skills you need to have and or need to be able to deal with. It's, it's these emotions. These are emotions you need to have and these are the emotions you need to deal with. If, and if you don't want to be a business person, that's fine. But if you want to be one, you've got to know the deal. That's the deal. You're going to get confronted. So if you don't like that, that's fine too. Give it away and go and do something else. Don't make your life misery. Go work for somebody. It's much easier in that regard. But working for somebody also has its setbacks too because... You're, if you're, if you have a sense of being creative, you probably have going to have less ability to be creative. Um, you're never going to feel as though you've created something, you've built something for yourself, so you won't have any goodwill in the job. Um, um, you probably can't earn the super profits you can if you when you're working for yourself. But not everybody gets to the super profit stage. But nonetheless, you take that opportunity away. Um, there are a number of upsides and downsides for either working for somebody or working for yourself. Make a decision which one you want to be. Then. When you decide you want to be in business, what I say, what I put up on Instagram, the various posts I put up, well, I'm just giving you my views as to how you survive in business for yourself. Yeah, love that. Now, going into 2020, are there any opportunities that you see for business owners? And obviously, you know, you work with them on a daily basis. Is there anything where you go, cool, in 2020, I see that business owners should definitely be doing X. Is there anything like that you see coming up going into next year? Uh, I, I think uh, going into the future, whether it's 2020 or 2021, I think that um, digitization of your business is really important. You know, your, your, your zeros and your, your QuickBooks to you know, make sure your accounts are digitized and able to pump out stuff to you every month. Um, make sure that, um, you know, your, your, your advertising and or your marketing campaigns are digital and digitized making sure that your inventory is digitized. So in other words, use digital methodologies to run as many parts of your business as you possibly can to free up your time in terms of managing those processes and get on with the real part of the business, that is making sure your sales are right and your expenses are in the right territory as well. So I think the future is so huge in terms of digitization of businesses, no matter what your business is, even if you're a doctor. Simple things like making sure all your customer, client records are on, online. Uh, 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 you, you know, don't put it on a piece of paper like the old school ones. Type it in mm. and so that you can access that, that information straight away and someone else can access that information straight away if, if that's what you need. You can forward that information to a, a specialist, for example, if you're a doctor. So, you know, they're very, all pretty simple things, but most businesses still, you know, Australia 
has one of the highest take-up rates in the use of mobile phones from a personal point of view, or smart devices from a personal point of view, including apps, etc. We're one of the slowest in the developed nations of taking up digitisation for business. And uh, we do a lot of stuff here old school. Like I, I was talking to a guy the other day who runs a fruit shop, and he's got still writes out his hand, handwritten invoices. He should have a square device attached to his mobile phone, and when he goes to deliver stuff to the customer who runs a restaurant, he should just get paid by credit card there and then. So he's paid because, you know, he's at, you know, this particular individual, he has to buy his stuff by credit card. He should be getting paid by his customers by credit card as well. That, that, that form of digitization is so obvious and so easy. Everything gets sorted into categories when you use a squ- the square device. There's lots, lots of other devices, but I'm just using square as an example. So, and, and those things then talk to zero, and zero then pumps out a set of accounts for you. Like, it's perfect. You know, like, you can run a one-man one man show nearly. Yeah, that's. I think it's so important, and obviously as well. Like for us, we being a, uh, a digital marketing agency, something that we so often see around Australia is that people are still even trying to understand that it, it, that they need to do it and that they need to start moving towards digitization, especially of their marketing. And as you say, we've got the biggest take up rate when it comes to phones, and one in every five minutes that uh, Australians spend on their phone is on social media, predominantly Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's, it's just shocking to me that still some people in, you know, about to come into 2020 uh, still don't think that it's going to be the right thing for them. And it's like, just look around when you go walking down the streets or you go out to a restaurant, people are on their phones all the time. It's uh, it's just the way that the society is moving. That's interesting. I mean, I, I agree. So you're right. And, and we've got to think, we just think about cell phones as just a little TV screen, which we look at all the time, which we take everywhere with us. And um, no one. On the receiving end, we, we're, we're going to be, you know, we, we're getting our entertainment from this little TV screen that's in their hand. But if you're in business, where well, you've got to think about, hang on, all those people that there got little TV screens, how am I talking to them? What am I giving to them? What am I telling them? Um, how am I using the, that device to send my message, either through Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, LinkedIn, etc. Um, and, you know, Google, um, am I buying, you know, am I... Am I boosting my Instagram page and what am I doing with my Instagram page? What am I doing with my Facebook page? Am I buying Google ads? Uh, how am I going, if someone's looking me up on, my, on their mobile phone, how am I going on my SEO, on my uh, search engine optimization program? And uh, who's going to help me with this shit? Like, who's going to tell me about this stuff if I don't know about it? Where can I learn about it? Who's going to tell me about this sort of stuff? I mean, there's simple things like, I see people use Instagram for business and they never tell the story. And they, I actually... You don't even know what the story is. I don't mean putting up a story on the stories part of the Instagram site, but I'm talking about what is your story? I mean, why did you go into business in the first place? When did you first go into business? And where are you going to tell me about it? So, Because I want you to be interesting. Tell me something interesting about yourself. What's your story? And most people never even sit down and work out what the story is. Um, we all got one. Everyone's got one. Just that we need someone like you guys to drag that story out of us. You need someone to sit down with you and interview you and ask you about your story. Mm. And then make sure you transfer the story over to your digital marketing platforms, whatever they might be. Yeah, 
yeah, that's so true and so important. And it's it's becoming more and more, um, you know, people always like, and it's like you've got B to B and B to C. And now uh, one of the new things coming out that I keep seeing everyone mention is like it's H to H, human to human. So if you're a business on there, you've got to be able to share so that people can connect with you and know what you're about and who you are because they're going to buy into that much faster than just going, oh, we do marketing. It's like, cool, but why do you do that? When did you start? Tell like, let me let me get to know you a little bit, um, which I think social media is just so grateful. Oh, well, you know, like, and you know, there's a reason why these things called likes exist, because in the end of the day, these platforms are there to make you well known. In other words, build your notoriety, and for people, but you got to build the notoriety with affection. So there's no point in being well known and not liked. And that's why Instagram is smart and Facebook and et cetera, everybody else, um, they've come up with this concept of likes. And all it's basically saying is, if you want your brand to be good, you've got to be liked. <laughs> uh, if I've got two people standing in front of me and they're trying to sell me a home loan, one of the, one's an arsehole and one's a good person, but they've got exactly the same home loan, I'm going to go with a good person. Yeah. That's my choice. I mean, I'm a consumer. I'll check, pull, I'll... I'll Go to, I'll be gravitate or go towards the person who's a nice person. So I like them. So if you're trying to sell something or market digitally market your stuff through social mediums today, make sure what you put up is likable. And one of the things that we all like to hear is your story. Now, of course, I'm assuming your story means you weren't the backpack murderer or something like that. But you know, if your story is a decent human story, then I'm probably going to like you a lot more. Than if you don't tell me. Yeah, that's nah, so true. Now, um, Mark, we'd love to know. So, what are you going to be sharing with us at Certified Ballers Live in February? You're, uh, we're bringing you over, which is going to be epic. We're really excited about it. What, what can the what can the people expect to to hear from you on that day? Well, I'm going to go through. Um, I'm going to explain to them what the rhythm, my playbook rhythm, really means, like how it works in their businesses and how they can employ it, how they can use it. And I'm going to explain the chapters and I'm, I'm going to go through the chapters and I'm going to explain to exactly what I mean, why I did it, how it worked for me and why I think it will work for anybody else, whether it's my playbook or anyone else's playbook. The importance of building a rhythm for your business, one that's repetitive, where people are held accountable and is logical. So that's what I want to do at the ballers function, the certified ballers function. Beautiful, love that. That's going to be awesome, and I know I'll be I'll be sitting there taking notes on that as well. Um, and one final question before we wrap up, and appreciate your time today. Is there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't? Not really. Um, I, I think you've you've covered it off quite well. But like you've done your research, obviously. But not really. Um, I mean, there's a million things that we didn't talk about because we have limited time, but. I don't think there's anything more important. To me, there's nothing more important than having a rhythm to your business. Like, I mean, like if you look at the big successful businesses, the business they all have a board of directors who meet every single month. They have a um, a board agenda, which is the same agenda they hold from month to month. Um, they have um, matters arising from last month, which have to be uh, fixed up before the next meeting, or at least addressed at the next meeting, and they impose this rhythm over the business. So, all I'm trying to do is pay forward what I'm used to in my own business environments for smaller businesses and, and do it in a nice, simple way. Um, so to me, the most important thing today for business survival in tough times, in competitive times, the advantage that you can have is having a rhythm when no one else does. 
most other, most people do not have, most small businesses do not have a rhythm. As I said, they're just tactical, operating day to day, hand to mouth, and probably as a result of that, not having this because they don't have the structure. It's a bit like going to the gym. I, I, I want to say this. It's a bit like going to the gym. You go to the gym and say, oh, what am I going to do today? I'm going to do this. Oh, I might do some arms, and shoulders, I might do legs. But a person who's really good at the gym, someone who gets really good results, they sit on a structure. So Monday's arms, Tuesday's this, Wednesday's that, Thursday, and they write it up and they measure how well they did or how well they didn't. And they do. And the next week they put all the weights up a little bit and they do this week after week after week. It's about measurement and rhythm and knowing what's going to come up on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. That's what I mean by rhythm of business. It's no different to going to the gym. That is the most important thing I wanted to talk about and I think you picked it in one. So... No, I don't have an. I don't think there is another question that's worth answering today. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And guys, everything we've mentioned today with Mark, we'll have links down in the show notes so you can check those out to links to his podcast, his playbooks for success, and uh, obviously the Certified Ballers Live event as well. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Kim. I'll see you in February. See you in February. And guys, we'll see you next time. All the best to you. Bye-bye.